Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your News Radio 840 WHS. Good Sunday morning. Bob Sikoler, the Louisville Real Estate Show with you until the top of the hour. We've got an interesting show, lots of questions. And one of the topics we're going to talk about comes in from one of our listeners. And uh, the listener is asking, how much do you tip the movers if they're moving you? We'll review what the answer is in a little bit. First, Let's talk to our great folks who are joining us. Lee Harris, legal counsel over at Limestone Title and Escrow. And you can reach Lee and her folks at 649-7964. Good to have you here, Lee. Also, we have Randy Rocky Swan Financial. And you can reach Randy on his phone at 6450736. I just realized Lee's using a virtual background of San Francisco, the bridge, except she's driving because <laughs> you got a seatbelt on. So I don't know how that's going to go, but we'll figure that one out. You, are you with us, Lee? You got us? She's sitting there smiling. Okay. Randy, we may have a lot more. The internet is lousy today. For some reason, we're having some serious problems. So hopefully we'll get Lee back in here. Let's start with uh, Randy questions. Mike called in. And left me uh, this message. He says, how much can he gift to his daughter to help with a down payment without incurring any penalties or fines with the IRS? Well, uh, I know you can get $15,000 a year without any uh, penalties or fines. And that's the answer I'm going to give. Uh, I have a feeling there might be something special with that scenario on okay. an actual house, but maybe not. But I know 15000 is absolutely something you can get there every year to anybody without a, a tax penalty for anybody. It might be worth it for so, him to talk to an uh, accountant, right? Don't you think that's probably the better yes. thing to do is talk to an accountant? If it's yeah. above $15,000, yes, it would be. All right. Um, if you want to see a replay of the show, by the way, you can go to LouisvilleAnswers.com because we're doing the COVID shows. You send me an email if you've got a question. Bob at WeSellLouisville.com. Put radio question subject line in the body. Send me the question itself. You can see this uh, repeat on YouTube. Again, go to LouisvilleAnswers.com. That'll take you to the YouTube channel. I'll tell you why, because it's very funny to see Lee Harris driving, but yet with <laughs> the background of the San Francisco Bridge. That in itself is worth the price of admission. Yeah, yeah you can see San how to drive Francisco. safely across the bridge. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> Lee, this question uh, for you. Jonathan sent us an email saying he was online, saw a company that just does licensed crawl space uh, inspections. I, I, I had never heard of that. And legally, okay. is there a difference in your mind between a licensed crawl space inspector and somebody else? Not either, right? No, I've never heard of a, a person who's licensed only to do crawl spaces, but... Uh, you have a home inspection license. So if they have a license for that, they can do anything that that's involved in the house. But that's, I don't think that's a specific license issued by the department of housing in Kentucky. And I'll check with Brad Lawler when we have him next, uh, next couple of weeks, uh, what his thoughts are on that question. Meanwhile, let's move over to Laura. She writes in uh, that there's a fence on her property that extends onto her neighbor's property and has been there for 20 years. If Laura sells, does she need okay. to 
have an easement? Does something have to be done with the, an easement because the property's been on the neighbor's property, the fence? For 20 years. There's something called adverse possession in Kentucky, and it's 15 years. So basically, it has to be there openly, hostily. That doesn't mean that they're fighting over it. It just means that it's against the owner's, you know, interest to have it there, you know, because yeah. it's not their property. And adversely and continuously for 20 years. If that's happened, then probably wherever that fence is now belongs to the other party because oh. it has been there over 20 years but you can take you could either just have an easement done just to kind of clarify it and just say everybody's on on the same page or the other party can seek if they don't agree the other party can seek adverse possession through the courts it's not just it just doesn't automatically happen you have to seek it and then obviously you have to get a new legal description uh, but most people just have a little easement you know, and say, oh, yeah, it's been there for 20 years. I don't care. And they file a little, maybe they pay them 10 bucks or 100 bucks or something. Um, or, of course, the fence can be taken down. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's there's a there's a way to work around anything. All right. We right, move back. Exactly. We see that all the time. Kim wrote us an email. Uh, he expects a large return on his taxes this year. Approximately says 20,000. He's wondering, should he put the money towards his house? And paying down his equity or invested in stocks or somewhere else, what would you recommend with a twenty thousand windfall from the federal government? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's it's like my children. Uh, I, I'm going to have them in debt up to their eyeballs with investment properties at the age of twenty five to thirty five to forty. And now that I'm fifty three, you'll never see me never say never, and you will never see me borrow another dollar. And I sell loans. So <laughs> it really does depend on the age because, uh, uh, you know, cash is very important when you're younger. And if you're trying to do, uh, uh, build, you know, wealth as far as property and things of that nature. And I, trust me, not everybody has my philosophy, but uh, that, that's kind of the way I live. So to, to answer his question is, if he's in that age bracket I told you about, that's the way I would handle the money. So repeat that because I kind of got lost in your philosophy. So twenty k, uh, yeah, and mortgages. They're going to do a lot of investment properties, commercial property, and they're going to be in really high debt. I mean, really, sincerely. Now, again, there's going to be assets to hopefully offset it if everything ever goes south. And when you're younger, I think you can take a lot more risk. And as you get, you know, I'm fifty three now. Yeah. And I'm not going to go out and, and invest in a property and, and spend the money anymore. I'm not going to go out and put $2 million toward a commercial property or something of that nature. I'm just, right. I, I just don't want to get in debt like that. And that's, so my opinion is, is if you're younger, yes, cash is king. And, uh, I would put it, uh, I would leave it to put towards and towards down payments on, on properties. If you're older, I would pay off debt. Got it. All right. That makes a lot of sense. I heard it loud and clear. Lee, Tony sent an email saying that he has his home on the market for sale and his real estate agent called and wanted to get a buyer in there, but the agent would not be available. The agent was asking if he could send the buyer in without anybody being there. And Tony says no, but he's questioning... <laughs> Why do I have an agent if the buyer's agent wants to send somebody? What's going on? What do you think? Is it legal? It, 
in in our area, I know in some of the other areas, you can allow to send a buyer in without a, a representation, a buyer agent. But what would you suggest at this point? Well, I, what I'd say is it's really the seller's decision. It's the seller's house. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons, obviously, you have a, an agent is so that, that, that somebody that you don't know is not coming into your house randomly when you're not home, because obviously most people are not going to do anything, but some do. <laughs> so he should, he can certainly say, okay, uh, I don't agree with that. He's rescheduled for a time when your agent can be with you. He could ask his agent to be present. He could ask if he can be present. Um, there's nothing illegal about it. It's just, it's just uncomfortable for, you know, it would be uncomfortable for me just to have some random person in my house looking in every closet and every drawer, you know, without any kind of licensed person there to protect my interest. Yeah. And, and just so you know, in other states, there are companies that are actually their model. The way they've set this up is uh, the buyer calls a number and they get permission to go into a house with you as the seller not being there and no agent representing them. And it's strange in my book, and just because you can have anybody yeah. walking in your house. But that's what... Right, very it, weird. It's very strange, but the answer is, I think you nailed it, Lee. It's really what do you as the seller want? If you want to let them in, fine. But uh, my suggestion, someone should be home, whether it's buyer agent with the yeah. buyer or a seller or a seller's agent uh that that is you know in my mind that's a must if you want to talk about selling your home yes. and, and doing it practically and without people walking in without you knowing i mean there are a lot of questions when it comes to selling your home and that's what my job is when we're not on the radio on sunday mornings and that is meeting with you talking about how to <laughs> properly list your home get it on the market, what the goods and bads are, answer your questions. You can reach out to me a couple of ways. Go to bobsellmyhome.com or sellmyhomebob.com or just call me at 376-5483. Again, 376-5483. All right. Uh, Randy, Lori uh, has an interesting problem here. She's accumulated a lot of credit card debt. And in this email she sent to us, she says it's reaching about 40000 She's wondering, wondering if it makes sense to do a home equity loan, take the money, and pay down the higher interest rates on her credit card. And she thinks she's got about $100,000 in equity in her current home. How would you handle a suggestion? What should, what should Lori do? Well, if she has a lower interest rate right now, yes, I would absolutely do a home equity line of credit. You know, it's a lot of debt questions today. Very yeah. interesting. Very um, interesting. So, yeah. Um, um, and and um, the other situation is, if she has a higher uh, interest rate, you know, in the in the uh, fives, which most people don't now, but if she does, then I would refinance uh, the whole mortgage and put it all on a 30, 30 year fixed mortgage. But if she has a uh, a more, uh, if she has uh, uh, a lower interest rate, yes, I would do a home equity line, and I would absolutely do uh, uh, pay out the credit cards. Uh, a, a word of caution on this, Randy. Uh, home equity loans, their rates fluctuate, correct? That is correct. So right now they're they're predicting that by the end of the year, prime is three and three quarters, and they're predicting it's going to go up. Uh, 
as much as a, a three quarters of a point to a point and a half to try to throw uh, 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 hold off the inflation scenario. So, but you know, as you well know, Bob, I mean, uh, interest rate uh, credit cards are about sixteen percent. So you're going to drop, you know, somewhere around ten to twelve percent doing it uh, this way. And uh, and okay. it, it, they both fluctuate, so that's why I would do it. You're still ahead of the game if you do a home equity loan to to pay down the uh, credit card. Got it. I really recommend that people get a home equity if they don't use it just for an emergency. You don't ever have to use it; they don't cost anything. So I would recommend doing a home equity line on on my uh, on their house. Hey, one more quick question about while we're talking to Randy on the Zoom call. He's at the gas station. What's the price of gas where you're pumping up right now? <laughs> Uh, it is a wonderful $4.13. Oh, jeez. Ah. Well, it's better than some places, <laughs> especially better than the West Coast. All right, we're uh, going to take a break. When we uh, come back, uh, one of our listeners asks, how much do you tip a mover? That's a really good question, and we'll talk a little bit about that it. That is a good question. It is. Yep. Randy Rocky with Swan Financial, who's currently tanking up his, his car with gas so he can come out and help you with your loans. Six four five zero seven three six. Also, Lee Harris, legal counsel, limestone title and escrow. Six four nine seven nine six four. My son Greg's uh, off today. Actually, he's working on more photography, more of our listings. You can reach me anytime at three seven six five four eight three to get out there and help you get your home on the market, or just talk about what the process is free of charge, no obligation. Three seven six five four eight three. We're back in a moment on News Radio 840 WHAS. Need a home loan or refinancing? You need to talk to Randy Rocky at Swan Financial. Why have they become so popular? Because of our programs, our service, and our competitive rates. And now listen to this new program from Swan Financial. Yes, we have a 1% down program that also you will get 2% grant money from the investor. Call Randy Rocky today at 866-766-1920. Swan Financial, NMLS 2473 and 26362. Equal housing opportunity. Call for additional cost information, other restrictions may apply. This is Lee Harris, owner and attorney at Limestone Title and Escrow here in Louisville, Kentucky. We are an experienced team of processors and attorneys who will be happy to help you with your closing needs. We are known for our flexible closing times. We're open to nights and weekends, whatever suits you or your clients. We can help you provide a smooth and quick closing and help with difficult situations based upon our history of expertise and experience in closings. Call us anytime at 502-632-227. Shopping for a home? The place to start is REMAX Properties East. Experienced, caring, top-producing agents who service all of Louisville and surrounding areas. On your computer or on your smartphone, head to homesinlouisville.com and sign into one of the most advanced home search sites in the country. That's homesinlouisville.com. Residential or commercial real estate, let the award-winning agents at REMAX Properties East help. Take the first step in your house hunting journey. Visit homesinlouisville.com or call 425-6000 today. Hi, I'm Barbara Corcoran. 
I built the number one brokerage firm in New York City by marketing luxury homes to the most qualified buyers. What makes the difference today in your area? The same thing, custom marketing to the right buyers. In Louisville, the agents with the best marketing plan are Bob and Greg Sokoler. Their personalized marketing sells more homes for more money. If they can't find the right buyer on your deadline, they will buy it. Get the best marketing for your home. Go to resellouisville.com and put more money in your pocket. News Radio 840 WHAS, Bob Sakola, the Louisville Real Estate Show. We're doing our Zoom show, so if it sounds a little weird today, it's the internet. What can I tell you? Uh, with us, Lee Harris, Legal Counsel, Limestone Title and Escrow at 6497964. Also, we've got Randy Rocky here, Swan Financial 6450736. My thanks, of course, to Barbara Corcoran, who does our uh, help with our commercials. Uh, she's a mentor. Uh, you've seen her on Shark Tank. Very sweet lady, and uh, I appreciate her friendship. All right, question from our listener, Tony and his wife, Jeanette, listen to us all the time. They wrote in with the following question. We're moving to our first house next week, and we're told that the move would take a full day. With the movers, uh, are they expecting a tip on moving day? And if so, how much do you tip the movers? So, Randy, Lee, we've all moved in the past. Have you got a set dollar figure before I go into what the official response is? Guys? Well, I always give the fast food restaurant a worker a dollar every time I go through the drive-thru. So I'm one of those guys. So um, I would probably tip, you know, if there's four guys there, I'd probably tip them all about 30 bucks a piece. 30 a piece. All right. Yes. I'm, I'm, I believe in tipping. I think it's great to see people actually out working and doing their job. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I, we're, we're all very fortunate. I think we all should help each other. So there you go. <laughs> Lee, how do you stack up on that one? What are your thoughts? Uh, last time I moved, I gave my people $50 each and they were very happy. Oh, of course they're going to be happy. Yeah. 50 bucks a piece. That's hard. That's hard work though. Oh, no kidding. Well, how many movers did you have, Lee? I think there was three. And I heard him say as they walked out, she gave us each $50. Wow. <laughs> so I figured that was a good tip. Yeah. They want to come back uh, and work awesome. for you. That is awesome, Lee. Seriously. <laughs> Randy, how much gas did you put in your car just now? Because I'm just curious what your total fill-up cost you. Randy was filling up during the break. Uh, well, I, I, I have my little truck, and I don't drive it very often, so I yeah. hope it goes down a little bit, so I only put $20 in. <laughs> I got it. All right. Yeah, I hope the price goes down, too. <laughs> All right, so the official the official word is tipping movers is optional, but most homeowners adhere to the customary practice of, uh, well, helping out the guys who are helping you to move. A general guideline is, get ready for this, Lee, a tip of $10 minimum per mover for a half day, four hours of service, $20 for a, a full day, that's eight hours of service. Of course, unless your name is Lee Harris, in which case it's $50 per mover <laughs> per day. Uh, most homeowners, uh, homeowners adjust this tip based on the quality of service, the relocation distance, and the difficulty of the move. They may also forego the practice in scenarios when tipping is not customary. I'm not so sure there's a place in this world where tipping movers is not customary, but... I would think that if you're going upstairs, a lot of stairs, 
maybe then you increase the tip. That may yeah. be the, the, but the general is 10 for half a day per guy or lady. If there's a lady working $20 uh, per person, if they're going uh, for the full day. So there, that's the official word that we got. All right. So we will go back to the questions coming in. And by the way, if you want to get in contact with me to talk about what is the process, not for tipping, but for getting your home on the market, you can go to bobsellmyhome.com or sellmyhomebob.com or reach me at 376-5483. Ashley bought her first home a year ago, was told at the time it was a manufactured home, meaning the frame and interior were built in some sort of manufacturing facility. Last week, she found out the house is actually a mobile home and that she's really upset. She's wondering what are her rights and should she be concerned about this discrepancy? So Lee, your thoughts, manufactured versus mobile. There is a difference, right? Yes, there's a difference. Uh, well, it, she does have rights if the seller misrepresented the status of the property to her um, because it's possible that a manufactured home on that same lot would be worth more than a mobile home on that lot. Mm -hmm. A mobile home can, however, be turned into real estate. You have to get a title just like you do for a car and you register it, believe it or not, with the fire marshal's office. And then it becomes part of the real estate, which turns it, I mean, it's still a mobile home in the way it was built, but it actually now is either set on a foundation or permanently attached to the land. So if there's going to be some difference in the amount that she paid or she has damages from that and the seller knew that, that it actually wasn't a manufactured home, some people actually use those words interchangeably, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh yeah, it's a manufactured home. But then she would have damages uh, potentially that she could seek from the person who sold her the property. And she has how long, a year from the date that she bought it or from when she would have known about it? 365 days under the Louisville contract from when she found out about the problem. Randy, yeah. so there are differences in financing a mobile home as opposed to a home that was stick built and then put on the house or put on a lot. Uh, for the most part, most mortgage companies don't finance mobile homes. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, they, they are, we, we are starting to do more of that. Really? And uh, uh, it's yes. And, but if it's before 1992, no, you cannot uh, do um, uh, a mobile home. But yes, there is there is definitely differences on manufacturing compared to mobile. On pricing, it's a little more um, uh, interest rates a little higher on a uh, mobile home because the foreclosure, uh, the values drop a lot uh, more. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of factors there that go into play. So yes, you are correct, Bob. There, there are definitely distinctive differences. One more difference, maybe you both know, do you know the difference between an RV and a motor coach? This is not a, a, a joke. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't. No? Let's see. Yeah, RV a and a motor coach. Is, 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 a motor coach is bigger? Maybe. Anybody else? <laughs> so typically... No, I have no clue. So typically, the RVs, they call them an RV up to a certain price and luxury level. And then above that, if you talk to the people who drive these higher-end million-dollar-plus 
uh, RVs, they're called motor coaches. I never knew that until recently, but there is a distinction. Maybe it's imposed by the motor RV industry. To, right. Because they don't want these. They're better. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you own a motor coach and you have an idea, if it's not just some fictional term made up because they want to dis, dis, make a distinction between an RV and a motor coach, email me, Bob at we sell I'd love to get more information for you on this. William wrote us Randy in an email saying he's considering buying a second home on a lake. And he wants to know what does he do to prepare for getting a mm -hmm. mortgage on the lake property? And what does a mortgage company look at in terms of income and credit score for a lake property, a second property? Yes. You could, you could go down to, you know, six, uh, well, 580, uh, and you're going to have to um, put on a second home now. It is uh, the same pricing as investment property. Uh, it's what Fannie and uh, Freddie uh, have now done. So the interest rate is going to be about a half to three quarters of a point higher than on a primary residence, but uh, you can still put, you know, there are situations where you can still put, you know, 5% down to get into the lake house. So um, uh, that's about, it's, it's a normal procedures with those just things I just discussed. But I, I would also really suggest talking to an accountant because aren't there new tax consequences with regards to second uh, properties that may be, uh, be detrimental to some level, Randy? Are you aware of that? I am not aware of that. All right. uh, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I'm not aware of that. All right. Well, we'll check into that. But just make sure, William, before you do it, you check with everybody, including an accountant. Lee, Sarah has uh, about an acre of land on her Oldham County property. And uh, she has been watching TV shows about tiny homes. You know, these little homes that we're seeing a lot of lately? Yes. She's wondering what you need in the way of a building permit to put a tiny home in her backyard if she already has a house on her ha on her property. Again, she says she's got about an anchor of land. Can she put a teeny house on it as well for maybe income producing purposes? I'm sure she can because there's, uh, you know, uh, enough space there, but she will have to go to the uh, planning and zoning. And that's a, that's a process. You got to pay a fee and you got to put in your plan and you got to get their approval. But if she has an acre of land and she wants to put a tiny home, I, that's kind of like putting a garage or something else, you know, um, there's, unless the, there's some objection from someone who's legitimate, you know, then I would, I would say that's probably going to be approved. You know, it's an interesting question. We haven't had one of these before, but these tiny homes are getting uh, building in popularity. And I'm just wondering if down the road, the, there are going to be changes in zoning ordinance requirements or re re basically relaxing of these because they don't take up as much room and maybe not as many people in the house. Can they, uh, if you're on a septic system, could there be different requirements or a sewer system? But it is something to talk about. And, and right. anyway, I think you nailed it on, the, on here is to check with the, the, uh, the building permit uh, folks to make sure you don't do anything before you move and spend any money on this. 
because that could be a, a problematic. We got time. One question more. Randy, Billy keeps hearing different words regarding uh, ready to buy a house. What's the difference between a pre-approval and a pre-qualification? She wants to know what, what is the difference? Pre pre-approval means that you have thoroughly looked at basically the documents and uh, reviewed and, and verified income, uh, employment, uh, a pre-qualification is, is just you took it on, you took the information in and you just looked it over, basically did not do the due diligence of, of really doing the, um, the details of, of making sure the income is correct, uh, the W-2s and all, uh, and all the different things of that nature. And, and uh, so we, we, we don't do pre-qualifications. We just do pre-approvals at SWAN. You just can't do that in this market or any market for that matter. You, you have to have a very valid pre-approval uh, for your real estate agents. Um, it's, it's terrible if you don't. It could be detrimental to you being able to buy a home with the wrong type of uh, letter that you present. Pre-approval right. means you've really done your detail and done, done the, uh, yes, you've done the detail. We are on out screen. of, we're out of time. If you're thinking about buying or selling, you can reach me anytime. And incidentally, we have a free, no obligation book of hundreds of useful tips for a copy. Send me an email, bob at we sell com in the subject, put tips for selling. We'll send it out to you. Uh, and uh, you can reach me anytime at 376-5483. You can reach Lee Harris and the folks over at Limestone Title and Escrow that does a great job in closings. You can reach Lee at 649-7964. And if you're in the market for a mortgage or refinancing your current mortgage, Randy Rocky is the guy to see. Swan Financial is his company, 645077. Three, six. Thank you, folks, for being here. We will see you next Sunday on News Radio 840 WHAS.